Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hi there. This is Cecilia, content producer at the Webby Awards. Are you making great work on the internet? If so, I want to take this moment to remind you that the final entry deadline for the 27th Annual Webby Awards is coming up on Friday, December 16th. This year, we're expanding our categories across websites and mobile sites, video, advertising, media, and PR, apps, dApps, and software, social, podcasts, games, and new this year, metaverse, immersive, and virtual. Check out all of our categories and enter your best work by the final entry deadline at webbyawards.com. From the Webby Awards, I'm David Michelle Davies. This is the Webby Podcast. This means so much to... So excited! Live streaming my pants! And that's why we drink. Find someone who inspires you. Hey there, and welcome back to the Webby Podcast. Today we welcome Webby winner L. Key. Elle has had a prolific career in media and entertainment, initially as an actor on fan favorites like School of Rock, but more recently as an executive producer with National Geographic and CBS. All the while, she and her husband, Keegan-Michael Key, the key of Key and Peel, have harbored a passion for sketch comedy and its origins. Their Audible exclusive show, The History of Sketch Comedy, won a podcast webby this year in our Best Writing category. Elle was the co-writer, director, and producer of the show that takes us all the way back to the beginning of sketch comedy. We're talking 2,000 years ago with stories of cavemen and eventually Greek poets. Along the way, we spend time with Abbott and Costello, Eddie Murphy, and of course the cast of Saturday Night Live, all performed by Keegan-Michael Key. We start off talking about when Elle fell in love with comedy. I think the easiest, simplest answer is I am a Jew who was born in New York. So I grew up with aunts and uncles and grandparents and uh, who told jokes, who told limericks and memorized puns and silly words and wordplay. I, when I was a kid, my parents would go up to the Catskills mm. and take us up to the Catskills. So we used to sneak in the back of the showrooms for the big shows and watch – uh, some amazing, you know, every now and then it'll be like a Rodney Dangerfield, the Henny wow. Youngman, like those kinds of things in the late 70s, early 80s. So I grew up around family on both sides that told jokes. Hmm. And But it's not just the jokes, it's also the puns and, like I said, the limericks and the way you set up something and the way there's a turn and you go down a path and you don't know where you're going – and and so when I was a kid, that was a big part of our upbringing. And when I went to college, I went to Syracuse, and I worked at the university's television station with a really fun producer now named John Beck. And I was 
writing for a sketch comedy show back in school in the uh, late 80s, early 90s. And it's just that humor has always been part of everything that I, I've done. Even when I've worked on dramas, you always find there's a place to put some of that levity. When I met Keegan-Michael Key, who's the the uh, host of the podcast, he and I were trying to figure out projects to work on together. We were both looking at things maybe to produce. And I had a meeting with him and I told him a joke. And it was one of those old Jewishy jokes. And and he laughed at the joke. And then I said, wait a second. And I told him another joke. I said, you don't know any of these. Like, uh. you're an amazing audience. You're from Detroit. You've never heard these jokes? Wait a second. And and some of them are really, you know, some of them are rough, but some of them are really right. clever and some are really short. And and the jokes that Keegan liked were the short jokes that had a, a quick, tur- like had a turn that you didn't expect. Uh. So a very, a very simple version of that would be um, uh, uh, an old woman yells down to her husband. She yells downstairs to her husband and she says, uh, Morty, why don't you come upstairs and make love to me? And he says, fine, but I can't do both. <laughs> So, so like that, that world of joke, I was like, Keegan's never heard any of these. Oh my God. So I was like, boy, my family's going to love you because this is, he's the best. And he's got, he's got one of the most amazing, I'm a little biased, but he does have an amazing laugh. So getting people who work in comedy in any capacity to laugh is a huge, huge step. Oh yeah. So I was like, if I can get Keegan to laugh, um, and then that actual first conversation with those jokes, Keegan was giving me the language that he and Jordan were using because they were shooting Key and Peel at the time, the language that they used to describe a setup and a turn and a promise fulfilled. And all of those like little story terms that you've heard or maybe have some idea of and say, okay, a, a sharp turn on a joke is where you think the joke's going one way and you're, you're on the joke and then suddenly everything go- shifts in the other, in the other direction. So we started talking about what the language around humor is and what makes a joke funny and why so many of the jokes I like are these short with a quick turn and what, what about that as opposed to telling a story and, sure. and then, then the guy goes up the hill and he comes back down the hill. And he, you know, those jokes, you're like... Those are more like the yeah. jokes of today. So, so growing up in yeah. the New York City, greater New York City area, yeah. were there, and you're really into these, you're, you know, for people who maybe we should give a little bit more for people who, you know, haven't um, done the the sort of like Catskills thing. There's probably a few people, you know, it's a uh, Catskills. If you've seen Dirty of, Dancing, yeah, I feel dirty like that dancing, probably covers it's, it. Yeah. It's a little sh- schlocky. The humor is, the humor is silly and... It's it's the movies of the Catskills, but we people would go up there for the weekend and they'd have um, they'd play charades or they'd play Simon Says and they had lots of activities and sometimes there'd be a lake, right? And you'd right. do things around the lake very, and then they'd have entertainment at night and they'd right. have it's like an earnest and a lot, and a lot of Las Vegas. Yeah, yes, exactly. So you like the you like the short jokes. What were were there any comedians at the time that inspired you? Or were there there sort of like pillars in your comedians comedic inspirations i mean i i watched i watched carol burnett i watched uh tim conway and and all the people on those the variety shows so i was a kid of the variety show 
So I was a kid of Donnie Marie and Sonny and Cher. And the banter that they would have was really fun. Mm. So um, we touched on a little bit in the podcast how kind of where variety came from and kind of where it went and what it's turned into. But I would love the bits, love watching Carol Burnett laugh, love watching people um, break when when you're supposed to be serious and you can't hold it and you have to laugh. They say you're breaking, um, you're breaking character when you're laughing, and it's it's uh, it's it's pretty funny because it's uh, it's something that even Keegan now tries to do to Jordan. Keegan tries to make Jordan laugh, or I try to make Keegan break. Um, Keegan's really hard to break, by the way. He's he's one of the toughest. If he's in character, uh, it's it's you're it's an uphill it's an uphill battle. But um, I I think. And then when I was in college, it was Seinfeld. How did it, how did it all start? We had been working together and writing together for a while, and um, someone had uh, pitched Keegan an idea of doing a book. And I was like, well, if you're going to do a book, you should write what you know. So if you're going to do a book, I think you should do a book about sketch comedy. That would that seems logical, right? Yeah. So this is about seven or eight years ago that I was like, hey, what if what if you did a book about sketch comedy? And at the time, he's like, I, I don't really know if I could write a book. I mean, writing a book sounds pretty daunting. Yeah. And I was like, well, I can help. I'm a, I'm a writer. I'm your friend. I can help with the book. But um, then I was like, you know, the things like the first time you ever heard your father laugh would be like the opening of a chapter in the book. And, and then Keegan would tell me a story about the prostitutes who cheered him on at baseball games, pick up baseball games in the field at the end of his block. And I was like, I'm taking, I'm making lists of these things that where you got your voices from, where you get your characters from, what inspires you. So it kind of became my, uh, Keegan kind of became a science project in a way. And so I started collecting sketch comedy and Keegan Michael Key past and humor and his experiences at the Second City and going to Penn State and why he didn't go to the Second City right away and all of these stories. And I started collecting all of this information. And uh, we both certainly love comedy. It's one of the things that brought us together. So it, I guess this kind of makes sense. So when the pandemic started, I brought up the idea of doing the book. This is a really good time to do the book. The book that we've been, I've been collecting material for seven years for this mm. book. So I knew that I had enough to figure out what to do with it. And when I pitched it to uh, our team at UTA, they said, well, what, if, what do you think about doing a podcast instead of a book? We, we went to Audible on, uh, on Zoom. It was one of my first, my first Zoom pitch. Uh, pitched to Audible this idea. I basically broke it down and made it like 10 chapters. If Keegan-Michael Key was going to be the guest lecturer at NYU and he was going to teach a course on sketch comedy... That class would be a very fun class and it would be completely sold out. Right. And everybody laughed and said that. So I was like, that's what I want to do is if you got up on stage and behind you was a blackboard that said the history of sketch comedy and you came up and you're like, hi, everybody, I'm Keegan Michael Key. We're going to talk about the history of sketch comedy and go. What would you say? And, and I, I, um, really did think in that moment, well, what's the beginning? And then I thought, well, the beginning is the dinosaurs. 
Hmm. Because that's the line from Airplane, which is the joke. And I was like, yeah. you know what? Screw it. I'm just going to start this podcast with the dinosaurs and then be like, well, that's not really funny. But that's where I think history comes from. You got to go back to the beginning, which was a line, if you don't know um, who's listening, um, in the movie Airplane, there's this tragic event and there's uh, emergency and it's they're at the radio tower at the airport and one of the guys in charge says to another guy, he says, uh, I want to know everything that's happened until now. And the guy says, well, first the dinosaurs came and then, then, you know, then the Arabs came and they took all the oil. Like he basically goes on and on and gives, yeah. it has nothing to do with the airplane, but he wants to know everything that's happened. This is the history of everything that's happened. Um, and then, so I kind of broke it up into pieces and pitched it to them and they uh, thought it would be a really fun thing for us to do. And when I started writing, I was trying to figure out how to incorporate clips or footage from sketches, certainly not from the Greeks, but more recent when people recorded them yep. and said, you know what? I don't think I want any clips. I think Keegan should just do every voice in every sketch. And I didn't realize at the time that that was special. Mm. I, I know he can do it, but when, if you hear the podcast, you go, holy crap, I don't know anyone else who could do this. How do you go back and forth? And then it became a lot of writing and editing, figuring out how to go from Keegan talking about the podcast to him laughing, to him explaining what he's talking about or setting it up transitioning to something else, telling each episode has a story about his personal life that's kind of interconnected somehow with what we're talking about. And then I was like, I said to Keegan, I want to end every episode the same. I want something so that you know the episode is ending. This is the last bit in each episode. And so Keegan does this very funny thing when he watches something ridiculous on screen. He goes, hey, you can't do that. When something's really... Um, just over the top, ridiculous, stupid, crazy that you, you, that you yell at your screen, be like, no, you can't. That's terrible. You can't do that. No, you can't say that. That's just, no, that's wrong, wrong. But you can't stop laughing. And then you hate that you laughed and you're like, oh, they got me and I still laugh. So, so I came up with something called a, hey, you can't do that moment where we pick 10 things that just really made us laugh or got us going. And then uh, we had each podcast with one of those. And um, I just kind of made up the format. I didn't, I, there was someone who we were working with in the beginning. who was like, um, L, this is not how you make an outline. And I was like, well, why not? Like, well, that's not how podcasts are done. I'm like, but why can't we? We could just make an outline however we want. I'm, I'm just going to make it up. Because I think it would be fun if we, we had it this way. I think it would be fun. You get a little Keegan story and then you end with something like whipped cream on top. I was like, why, why can't I? Said, That's not how we do podcasts. I, was like, I literally had this conversation with someone and went, you know what? I think I'm going to not have as many conversations <laughs> with this person. I think we're going we're gonna to just throw the spaghetti against the wall and... If you have fun, Keegan, and I have fun. Um, one thing I really appreciated was how relatable you made, you know, Greek sketch comedy and caveman sketch comedy. Like, I'm sure if I had gone back and read those texts, I, I would have been very hard for me to sort of get the jokes or figure out 
you know, like relate to them. Um, you know, but the way it was written and the way it was performed was super relatable. Was that a big part of, was that a part of what you were trying to do there? Yeah, I, I actually, specifically for that, um, I would say to Keegan, you are talking, you are sitting in a room and you are talking to our nephew who was 11 at the time. You're talking to our 11-year-old nephew, uh, Adrian, and you're talking to our 85-year-old aunt, Penny. So now you have Adrian and Penny in front of you, and you're going to explain this to them. So it's a little bit of going back and forth and making sure, you know, who's following and who you're talking to. But I, I, we shot it, we directed it, I directed this in a, in a booth where I was on a, on a, a microphone to him and go, hey, um, you know, explain, back up, explain that again, but do it so that Adrian could understand what you're saying. Or do it so that um, uh, your friend Cole would, would find it. Tell that joke to Cole. Tell that joke to um, Colin. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction. And free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. And so that it, it's, it's an interesting thing when someone does a voiceover, just in general, for anyone who's listening, it, it really helps, especially when all you hear is somebody's voice, is you know who you're speaking to. If that's specific, I think it, it, it actually helps and comes across. So it's not just a generic, okay, I'm just going to tell a joke. Like, I'm going to tell a joke now because my uh, Aunt Maxine might be listening and I want her to laugh. If she's sitting in her living room listening to this podcast, I want her to laugh at the joke. Well, so that's a good segue into my, another question I had there, which you kind of touched on, which, which is, you know, I think, please correct me if I'm wrong, but most of your experience before this project was largely in, you know, sort of visual media like TV and film and stuff like that. That's um, true. And, That's and true. so, you know, right there, what you're talking about seems that sounds like something that you would, you would sort of glean from a bunch of experience in, in audio. Um, but so what was it like moving into audio and like what what did you find were just things that were uniformly the same from storytelling in other mediums? And what were, what were some of the things that were new and surprising about it? But I I started I started my career on the acting side, so I had done a bunch of voiceovers and I had done like you know commercial auditions where you have to be the voice and you're trying to sell someone a pair of jeans and 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 so I think it kind of came out of that is is about being specific when you're speaking and who you're talking to and who do you want to engage. So I did get a little bit of that along the way. I think the the hardest part was 
Keegan is so expressive and Keegan uses his hands and his eyes and he's really fun to watch. So figuring out how to, um, let's say highlight places where Keegan's laughing or Keegan's jokes or Keegan's sidebars are all audible was, it was a fun, it was a fun challenge. And also, some people don't know this, he's a really good Foley artist. So when he's crumpling up, we did this bit about crumpling up a ball and you're going to throw it into a receptacle and it's going to go off that wall. Keegan's making all those noises. So I'd like to think I I utilized the most vocal performance I could possibly get out of someone who uh, is uh, loved for his visual antics. It's funny you say that. I saw some of the, I think there's some clips out there of, of you all recording it. And it's, it's, I mean, he's very expressive when you listen to it. So it's not to say that that's not there. But when I saw the clips, it's like, that's not what I, you know, it's, um, it's like a whole, I was like, wow, look what's happening there. You know, you just sort of, I imagined him, you know, sort of sitting at the desk with you and talking or maybe standing up, but he's like jumping around and oh, yeah. sort of he's like, up. yeah, it's like a full, yeah, exactly. No, he's not allowed. He's not allowed to sit when he records. It it change it changes your energy. It changes it changes what people hear. If if Keegan's explaining something or talking about uh, Dudley Moore and Peter Cook, there's this amazing sketch. Which, if you're listening and you even if you're listening to the podcast, you still uh, we made a lot of jokes about people have to have a list. There must be things in this podcast that you haven't seen, and you should go check them out. So take a break, or when you're done with this episode. Go look for Peter Cook and Dudley Moore, One Leg, Too Few, which is the audition that Peter, uh, Peter Cook is holding auditions. Dudley Moore comes into audition and he has his, uh, uh, when you see him come out on the, on the stage, he has a leg somehow fastened, like bent. So he's hopping on one foot and his leg is kind of fastened behind him. We tried to figure out how to explain it the right way so that you could see that that there's a leg under a big raincoat and he's hopping and he comes hopping in and you realize you learn that he's auditioning for the role of Tarzan. And so then it becomes a very funny, very pleasant, British, uh, polite way of telling uh, Dudley Moore that he's probably not the best person to play Tarzan and um, following him around the stage. And so Keegan is definitely in the moment when he's explaining it doing he has his leg behind him he's trying to like be in the moment did you learn anything surprising um about the history of sketch comedy in doing this i mean i'm sure you learned a bunch i, but I learned or, or I learned some specific things that you really stand out that you're that you, you sort of stuck with yes um the marx brothers had a stage show and um groucho most people have known or have seen or heard of marx brothers um they uh because they had a stage show, they knew where the laughs were because they would do the same jokes and bits and know where the laughs were. So when they would do a movie where they use scenes from their stage, from the works that they've been honing for years, even in the films, they would pause for the laughs. And I, it's pretty cool. Like, so that's something I learned. I was like, that's brilliant because you know, the laugh is coming You've done this over and over again. Now that you're on the screen, you don't want people to miss the next line. You know the laugh is coming, so you 
build the pause in for the laugh. I thought that was fascinating. I also, I love the, there's a lot of stuff that Keegan and I both learned about how television kind of, um, the people that were really good on, on, um, on stage that told uh, oral jokes, like wordsmith jokes or puns or silly jokes, um, Jack Benny, Fred Allen, George, George Burns, those people did really well on radio the people that were visual, if you were a juggler and you were a juggler on stage and you were the most popular juggler in town and that someone's like, well, hey, we've got this radio thing coming up, this newfangled radio, the juggling didn't really work on radio. You needed to have, you needed, it, was, it wasn't a visual medium. So you needed to have, um, if you had jokes and you were pithy and you had, you know, fun um, voices and radio voices and things like that, it really helped to transition into radio. And then eventually, the weird thing is that when they started movies, the movies were silent. So now the silent films, you have to be a visual performer. So, it, so I was fascinated that there is actually, you can actually follow this transition and see who did really well going from stage to radio, to film, to talkies, to television, and what, what worked on both? Um, George Burns and Gracie Allen had funny bits. And their bits worked whether they were standing on a stage or whether you could only hear their voices on a radio. So those kinds of things, I, both Keegan and I, some of it we knew, some of it we never really um, put into, into like a, an easy to understand <laughs> uh, paragraph of, hey, this is what happened, and this is how this happened, and isn't that pretty cool? And I never knew that either. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's sort of, it's a, it's a great segue into some other stuff I want to ask you about, and it, you know, really shows you how format or medium affects, you know, the art in a way, right? It's like, it's, you know, there's, there's always an interplay between the art and the expression and the, the format or the medium it's in. Um, you know, the podcast is sort of a recent, longer form part of longer form format on the internet you know so prior to sort of this explosion of and popularity and podcasting you know most stuff on the internet's like two minutes right so whether that's like videos or articles or everything short 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 this is sort of this is newer now which is nice um but what do you what do you sort of think of of the sort of short the impact that like the internet's had on on comedy and sort of like this proliferation of shorter form comedy which is i think something that's really exploded i guess in the last you know 10 15 it always existed but has been uh certainly more popular and more prolific in the last like you know 10 20 years relating to this uh podcast to the history of sketch comedy i definitely had in mind having different sections, different bits, not spending too much time on any one thing unless it was really fun or interesting or engaging. I tried to, or we, we certainly mix it up a lot. It vocally is not, it's not a monotone performance where every sentence, and this is the, we're going to talk about the history. Um, we've all had those teachers in college. I was like, no, no, that's not what this class is going to be. This is going to be a very different class. This is going to be Keegan jumping up and down on a stage class and try to keep throwing curveballs and keep adding and 
fill, put in as many things in the bag as we could. So even though it is a longer form, they're in short sections. And I hope that kind of comes across that it's like, you could take a piece of it and go, okay, there's a whole bunch of different colors in here. And um, Keegan's energy is up and down and all over and voices. If you're someone who, you know, doesn't want to just listen to a book on tape and you want to be more entertained, this is a good, this is a good place to go. I think we did. I think we, we hit the, the nail on the head as far as one person doing all the voices and enter, and trying to entertain and bring some joy to people. Um, on the internet it, itself, it's tough because it's all about trying to figure out how to get a setup, a turn, a joke, who the characters are. I mean, it's almost like a commercial, like a TV commercial that has a joke or a bit. And Keegan and I do a lot of commercials together. If you have a 15 second commercial and you have two seconds for the product shot at the end or three seconds at the end, now you've got a 12 second commercial where you have to establish who these people are. You have to have some kind of heightening or build. You have to have some kind of obstacle. You have to have some kind of joke, <laughs> some kind of payoff. And so um, I think because Keegan and I have both worked in the commercial world for so long, I think we, we became adaptive going, okay, how do you get a joke in, in 12 seconds or less? And, and I, I think even before the internet, I was aware of it even existing, I liked short jokes that had a good turn. You bring some of that to light in the, in the podcast too, around how like certain parts, certain histories, eras, or certain sketches really depend, of course, on what the information you share there is, but also often depend on sort of like shared and known information in the world, right? And that's like a, that's a recurring, that's a recurring theme and something that connects sketch comedy today to the sketch comedy of the Greeks, so to speak. Well, situational comedies, sitcoms, which are situational comedies, um, the, the fun part about a sitcom is once you learn who all those people are, once you've established this is, this is the dad, this is the grumpy guy, or if, if you're doing a deep dive, um, dorky, a dorky dive into um, the history of sketch comedy, and you know about the Comedia, and you know that there are all these kind of characters. You could be the grumpy George Costanza guy, the Meisner guy. You could be the young lovers. Once you know who your characters are, once you know who George and Elaine and Jerry are, then you just throw them into situations. The comedy is them getting thrown in, and you know George is going to react one way, Jerry's going to react one way, Elaine's going to react because you know who these people are. So that also helps because it makes you don't have to spend all this time um, explaining everybody or setting everything up. And um, I mean, if anyone, I'm, I'm going to plug a really fun sitcom about a sitcom called Reboot, which is out now on Hulu. And it's, it's literally a sitcom that's about people rebooting a sitcom. So what's fun about this is that you, you learn who all of these characters are pretty much in the pilot. And then you also learn who the characters they played on the sitcom. And then it's the, you know, now you're in two worlds. It's a lot of, it's, it's fun. That, that world is fun. And you go, I know how he's going to do this. I know he's going to be grumpy. I know he's going to try to break them up. I know she's going to not tell him the truth. 
Oh God, my mother, she was not a huge fan of Three's Company. Uh, Three's Company is also a sitcom where there's two women and a man who live together and it's lots of silly jokes and very risque. It is all miscommunication. My mother be like, if she just said, it's a lot of like, did you hear, did you know? Yes, I know, but I thought she wasn't gonna tell anyone. No, she told me, are you sure? But they never actually say what the thing is and then everyone gets themselves in trouble. But you know that's going to happen every week. Every week. So, I mean, what do you think about, uh, do, you, do you look at and watch, are you interested in some of the comedy that we're seeing in sort of newer places these days? So like on TikTok and shorter form YouTube shorts and stuff like that. Is that of interest? Are you finding, are you finding, you know, exemplary comedy there as well? A lot. Sometimes when Keegan and I catch up on Saturday Night Live, we only see it because of clips. That um, a lot of people, I'm sure, are getting Saturday Night Live in pieces. Uh, Keegan actually tells a fun story in the in the podcast about how someone stopped him and said, "I've been a fan of yours ever since your YouTube videos." He's like, "I." He never actually made a YouTube video. He made a TV show, and they would only put out videos. So it's actually really, I think it's kind of hard to find the line. I don't know if you know, I don't know if I know the difference of what's a YouTube show and what's a, because, because people are doing more and more, more and more shows where you can just take a small piece of it and it stands alone. It works. We kind of get in, we get into movies that are, are sketch movies and movies that have scenes that could actually just be its own sketch. You don't have to watch all of Spinal Tap to appreciate some rock and roll guy watching a some you know guitar player looking at a speaker that goes to eleven. It's if if you know you don't need to see the whole movie to know that that's pretty funny. You know me since I was a kid, I like I like the short humor and the quick turns. So I'm in. I'm in. LT, thank you for joining us on the Webby Podcast. It's been great to have you. Congratulations on the Webby. Congratulations thank to everybody you, on the team. Um, it's a great, it's a great listen, and we really appreciate having you. Thank you. Thank you very much. I want to say a huge thank you to L Key for stopping by the Webby Podcast. Listen to the history of sketch comedy exclusively on audible.com. It's a great listen. You can reach me on social at DMD Likes. Our editor is Kate Mishkin. Our editorial lead is Jordana Jarrett. Our producer is Cecilia Betzel. Music is Poddington Bear. Claire Graves is our president. And I'm your host, David Michelle Davies. And this is the Webby Podcast. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.